Wow, 2024 is already here. If you're one of the New Year's resolutioners that sets a goal for yourself at the beginning of every year, honestly, how many of you stick with that goal? I mean, I'm not trying to attack anyone, but let's put it this way. If you ever had a gym membership, how busy is it in January? If you're one of the disciplined people who's managed to incorporate exercise into your lifestyle, how busy is the gym after January? No, we're not here to discuss getting fit or eating healthy today, but I am poking at an issue that we've seen aspiring professional producers brush up against time and time again. That's because we all know this stuff is important, but in our busy lives, we often forget to do the things that are important to making our business run. We put off things that are going to make a difference for whatever reason, and some of us, I'm guilty of these as well, put off paying critical attention to our messaging, let alone trying to remember just what messaging actually is. It's very important for how our audience that we're trying to communicate to perceives us, whether that is my personal brand or if we're a company or whatever you're trying to represent, that message is how you communicate to your audience. So Adam's with me today and we're going to share our ideas and insights on how to approach brand messaging in 2024 to attract your ideal customers. But what do you say, Adam? Shall we get started? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Welcome to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast the first music industry podcast for creatives who want to reach beyond the side hustle, where we show you how to apply the principles of business, mindset, and personal development to create real sustainable success in your music production career. Welcome back, Adam. Man, now I've been a little cheeky there, right? But it's probably a bit of truth in that jab. Adam and I can both attest to the struggle and heartache involved with building a business because it's not easy. And building a successful business, that's even harder, right, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as we are starting off a new year, I, I, as producers, we have a goal in mind and what we want to accomplish. And obviously the main goal is we want to get more clients, right? We want to get more gigs as a music producer. And just to maybe set the tone for this conversation, maybe you're at the stage right now where you have generated roughly the same amount of income in the last three months, despite your efforts to scale your music business. But you know that you're good at what you do. And you're getting your clients' results, but you're not really standing out and the people don't really totally see your value. You're not getting engagement or clients from the content that you're creating on social media. I think a lot of producers think, I have a marketing problem. No, <laughs> what's going on is you're actually speaking to the wrong people. You need to speak to ready invest artists. And what's necessary is having a message and content that will resonate and connect with the right people. So often what I see music producers doing is they're focusing on this old transactional-based marketing model, which only focuses on marketing above everything else, trying to sell right now. I saw an ad the other day on Facebook on a, a studio selling mixing and mastering services. And it said something to the effect of like 20% off your first order, book your project today. I'm thinking to myself, people are spending so much money on ads and maybe they're hiring like a marketing agency trying to go viral on social media, maybe sending those cold DMs, creating profiles on freelancer marketplaces like Fiverr and SoundBetter. And they're doing all these things like, how can I get more leads? How can I scale my business while generating more profit? But without realizing it, what you're doing is you're making everything just fall apart. 
And I totally get it. I did this myself as I'm trying to copy what established brands are doing. Mm-hmm. And with bigger brands, Nike and Adidas and Coca-Cola and Apple, with these bigger brands, you're already aware that they exist. You're already interested in the products that they offer. And you already have a desire to maybe purchase something uh, that they're going to offer. Apple comes out with a new product. You already have a desire. You just need a reason to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of uh, harkens back to the episode that we had on automating your client acquisitions is rooted in the IDA model where people need to become aware, interested, and have a desire before they can take an action, which is buying your stuff. But you're putting an ad out there for 20% off your first project, but people aren't even aware of who you are. They don't even have an interest in what you have to offer. And there's not like a desire to work with you, right? You're just going for the sale right out of the gate. It's not going to work. Maybe you'll get lucky a few times, but this is not going to work in the long run. It's not repeatable yet. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up something that was interesting because when you're talking about the item model, obviously on the past episode, automating client acquisition, we brushed up on the same thing and we might find people in our audience or even the round table. Like when we do the Mm -hmm. meetups, we see people who have an idea of what their offer is and their their core brand. But when it comes to crafting their messaging, they think they know what the right message is. It's targeting the wrong audience, the methods that they're using, that they see these tactics and strategies that they see the big companies using, or they see these big producers, somebody at the top of the industry who has the most visibility. It's working for them. It can work for me, right? And that's just monkey see monkey do. I think for producers, because we know what we do, we produce music and that's what we want to do for a living. And we work with artists and I think we focus so much on marketing tactics, like Mm -hmm. actual tactics, like Facebook ads, going viral on TikTok or doing all these different strategies and stuff, but you're putting the cart before the horse, right? You need to really get clear on your brand message and your brand identity before you can go out and try these things. Because I can tell you from personal experience, and maybe a side note here is that everything that we share here on the podcast is from actual experience. My own experience is you can go out and hire like a business consultant that will personally execute all these marketing strategies, put their funnels in your business that hit on those four steps of the Ida model we were talking about. You can increase your ad spend all that you want, and you can try to go viral on social media. But if you're speaking to the wrong audience and don't know how to speak to the people that are actually ready to invest, you'll just keep coming up with the same objections. Like, I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. I like what you do. I want to work with you, but I need to talk with my spouse first. Let me think about it. Can we do this project maybe a year from now? More marketing will not solve your problem with your sales. (laughs) Correct. Especially if it's done wrong. So much money gets wasted on bad marketing efforts. Let's take just a general brand, for example, the Mm -hmm. Manscaped. Whatever all these YouTubers or social media profiles, these content influencers, if you will, And they're hawking all these like third parties products or services because they're the ones that are willing to pay the sponsorship. And you see this across every sector. I see Manscaped come up on like the tech YouTube channels where they review products. I see them come up in IT. I see them come up in, for some reason, like 
women's hairdo styles and how-to tips, lifestyle tips. They're sponsoring everything. They don't care what category they're going through. They're just throwing money in ad dollars at YouTube and Google AdSense. And there's just no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. Why is it coming up on a hair salon product? (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I think the massive brands have the advertising dollars to do that. So this is called mass advertising. And this is where we learn from the big three in the music industry, Sony, Warner, and Universal, what do they do? They don't care if the artist is going to flop or not. They have another one coming in. So they're going to dump a whole bunch of money so that they get billions of streams on Spotify, right? Yep. And it doesn't matter if they are in the red, if they lose money on it, because they have another thing that's coming up that they work on. They have all these other different things in the hopper that it does generate them money. So I think we are preconditioned to... The way we approach marketing is like the mass advertising efforts, whether it's, as I was mentioning, with Coca-Cola and all these other big brands and uh, products that we use every day, or in the music industry where all these artists are being thrown down your face just because Sony and Warner or Universal decides they're going to just throw a whole bunch of money at it. So we can't do that. We no. don't have an unlimited supply of money unless you have a rich uncle or something like that. So we have to do what actual businesses do, the service-based companies or even the small businesses. What they have to do is do direct response marketing. And we talked about that before, but even before you go into the tactics, right, is that going back to having this brand message. So you have to be very clear on who you serve and how you serve them and communicate your value while speaking to your ideal customer, the people that are ready to buy now. When you clearly articulate what you stand for and what makes you different and incorporate that into your marketing strategy, that's when you'll start see the results that you desire. What I see a lot of producers making the mistake is that they're very generalized. Oh, yeah. It's I do mixing and mastering I'm, or I'm a music producer and, or I make beats. Who, what do you stand for? What makes you different? Why should I work with you versus this other producer? So you have to stand for something is what I'm getting at. For instance, top-down mixing is not the key to better mixes. So when you begin... No, that's compelling. Yeah, <laughs> so when you begin the mixing process by placing signal processing, like the EQs and compressors and stuff on the mix bus, and listening to all the tracks through the mix bus before you modify any individual tracks mm-hmm. or instruments... But doing this is a disservice to the track arrangement. And then you can say maybe something like, I start at the bottom of the individual track. So I do bottom-up mixing because I believe mixing at the individual tracks and working my way to the top where the mix bus processing ultimately affects the track. I'm not going to craft this into how I would word that. That's something that we cover in our mastermind community, like how to transition into pre-selling your offer. But I'm pointing this out as a a stance. So you're taking something that is maybe a controversial a little bit in the industry or goes against the grain in terms of what other producers are doing, because you'll immediately stand out if you say, well, this producer does it this way, and I think that's horseshit, and I'm doing it this way, and this is why it's better. I will say, if you want to look at somebody who's doing this really right now, who's just If you're talking about social media, if I Mm -hmm. hop on social media right now and I look at my producer network, if I look at who my colleagues are in my circle. Somebody keeps showing up at the top of my feed, and that's John McLucas. And 
Mm. He's an example of somebody who is very engaging with the community. He's funny. He's witty. He puts his personality out there. But I think if you were to meet him in person, it's not like he's always at this, like, I'm dialed into 11 just over the top. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of his personality is quirky, but I think he's just gotten very good at knowing how to craft posts and put out content that is engaging to the community and also speaks to the right audience. Like he's reaching mm -hmm. his target demographic through that. He's a vocal producer. That's a very specific niche within a niche. Yeah. And he has a certain way of producing vocals too, mm -hmm. that might be a little bit controversial or outside the norm, right? right which again um, is very compelling. Yeah, exactly. And so he knows his audience, right? And I think everybody thinks they know <laughs> the, their audience, but if you really knew your audience, I promise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now. Right. So if you work with pop artists, what kind of pop artists? Are they career driven? Your audience is actually more of a subset of that, right? So pop artists and then you got to drill down more in what kind of pop artists and then go from there. You know? Yeah. If you look at Job McLucas, I'm pretty sure he focuses almost exclusively on just a handful of genres. That's it. Yeah, within, exactly. Most of them, I think, are pop or at least pop adjacent. And, and if you're uh, creating content that says, here's why you need to invest in a music producer, <laughs> you're speaking to the wrong person and these other producers out there producing content that have dialed in on who exactly is their ideal customer. You won't see them saying, here's why you need a producer. Your person already understands that an investment is necessary for growth. Your people are the ones who are focused on the payoff. They're prioritizing the thing that you do. They have an internal urgency embedded within them and they buy because they want to not because they need to, or maybe they could probably figure this out on their own if they had years of trial and error, but they don't want to do that. They're in a hurry to turn their vision into a reality. What I can promise you is that those people exist in your audience right now, but you're speaking to those poor, unfortunate souls, the people that are so <laughs> stuck in their problem that they, for the most part, won't be able to afford to work with you. So you end up Tra attracting the wrong people that are in this victim mentality, blaming others, not taking responsibility, not willing to invest. They may say that they want a killer song and the best production out there, but they're not really ready to put skin in the game. They're just wishy-washy about their music as an artist. They're not serious. If you're speaking to those types of people that are just looking for the cheapest option up there, that's why you're not seeing the results that you want. And I'll take all these different subsets of different unique skill sets that you might bring to the table. And we have one in our mentorship community that focuses on sound design. There's a lot of producers out there that struggle with sound design, but they would find it more lucrative for them to have somebody design exactly the sound they're looking for than try to learn the ins and outs of synthesis or sampling and all these different things to be able to come up with the target sound, they could just hire a sound designer for. It. And that's his top tier service. You really have to figure out, is my messaging targeting the right audience? But also, is the target audience a viable market? If we're looking at it for like sound design, where somebody's just going to crank out sound design packs, sample packs, preset packs all day long, 
if you look at the market for those, where does the average dollar amount sit? How much time are you going to spend marketing all of those? Or maybe you can build a very synergistic strategy for building content, maybe how-to videos on YouTube or whatever, but think about the overall strategy and then you can craft your messaging around that because what it's going to come down to is you're going to have only so much time in the day, right? And when it comes to picking what's going to give you the highest ROI, or let's say you gave yourself as a CEO a salary, how much time are you going to spend doing the $5 an hour tasks, the $15 an hour tasks, when you can just try to tackle one bottleneck after the other in your business to open up the opportunity to maybe offset those things by outsourcing? As Adam mentioned, that is a possibility. There are going to be some downsides to going that route or adding consultants. Where do you think you could take this, Adam? Definitely, you can't outsource your marketing right away because I've said putting the cart before the horse. If you're stepping in the role of the CEO, yeah, I feel like you need to step in the role of the CEO and uh, and the CEO is not setting up Facebook ads. Yeah, you can eventually outsource that, but the problem is you need to be clear on the vision of your company and what you stand for, what is the value that you're giving and what makes you different and how are you going to stand out? That's really the next question, right? It's like, how do you, I stand out to the, right. these people and how do I position myself as the solution that they need? You need to get clarity on that first because the marketing stuff you do isn't going to work until you do. What I want to hit home here is that the ready-to-invest artists in reality don't really buy from the best. If you're listening to this podcast, it's likely that you are really good at music production, but you feel like you're the industry's best kept secret. I think we all feel that way. <laughs> yeah, you don't understand why people aren't seeing my value. I'm good at what I do. Like, why aren't people coming to the studio? Again, it comes back to these ready-to-vest people. Like, the, the ready-to-invest artists are smart. They're not going to buy from just anybody, but at the same time, they really don't care if you have 40 years experience degrees or certifications or pages and pages of client testimonials or that Grammy, they buy from the producer who can effectively prove to them that they have the solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. And, and the way you prove that you have the solution to their problem is through your content, whether that's an automated funnel or your social media content. And I think as producers, we're so fixated on trying to demonstrate our knowledge and expertise, at the end of the day, artists don't really care about that. They're only going to care about that after they believe that you care about them on a personal and emotional level. Like you're concerned about the problems that they're experiencing as an artist, getting the right sound, getting the right recording to be representative of the song that they're going out on tour with, or they're trying mm -hmm. to get signed to a, a label or something. So they first have to get value from that relationship, that perceived relationship that they have with you on social media. And it's very important to understand that value is as they define it, not as you define it. You can say, I'm putting out all this great content, I'm giving all this value, but it's as they see the value. You could be posting every day or three times a day on social media and nobody's going to care unless yep. they are perceiving the value themselves. I want to unpack a little bit of what you said. What we're talking about building the relationship means that 
your brand messaging needs to be consistent over time. And you need to continually show up there to remind them that you are consistent and trustworthy. So that's where the, the, the messaging has to become really clear. It's not just about defining who you're here to help, but also continually reminding them. That's why we've talked about several times in the podcast, having email campaigns, having your own emailing list is so crucial to long-term sustainable business growth because one, especially in this industry, a lot of it is reoccurring sales, meaning you're going to nurture the same clients over time and then slowly build that roster up. If you look in any other industry vertical, whether that's product sales or software or whatever, you're selling the same software to new people all the time, right? It's you're constantly cycling through customers and it's constantly having to find new customers to sell to. But in our vertical, it's a little bit different, it's more challenging, more nuanced. So you really do need to focus a little bit more on building a relationship of trust. And that brand reputation matters a whole lot more. But because it matters a whole lot more, it means you should be able to demand a little bit more price for your value. To touch on that, there's two things that you brought up that I wanted to bring a little bit to the forefront. I, I love the quote, but it's incomplete in my opinion. And I, I think maybe I don't even know if what the full quote is or I don't know, it's people attribute it to him. But Jeff Bezos says that the, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. I yep. think that's a little bit more you can design your brand in a such a way that they say what your brand is while you're not in the room, but you've told them what your brand was at the same time so that they're telling other people. So you're engineering what people are saying about you is, mm. is my point. And I think the idea of brand messaging isn't that you're going to nail it and you're only going to speak to the ready to buy audience. And by doing so, you're going to get sales. There is that subtle nuance to it, as Cameron was saying. But the point is that you want to be clear about who you're serving and who you don't want to serve, right? Because you can't right. serve everybody. It's impossible. You're not going to make everybody happy. That's where the brand messaging comes in because you get to say, these are the artists that I work with. They're ready to commit. They're serious. This is what I do as a producer. And this is the value that I'm creating and why the artists that are working with me are getting this types of result is because of what I do. And I think the more value that you're giving on social media, speaking to your ideal customer, they're not going to maybe buy right away. There's going to be some that do buy right away, but you're making it clear on what value that you offer. What's interesting is the more value that you give, the more value you get back. Oh, yeah. A lot of people misunderstand that or don't really understand what it means to create value in the world. They think it means working for free. Either it's, that or they feel it's not an equal exchange, but it is an equal exchange. It's an equal exchange of energy. If you look at the laws of attraction, look at some of these woo terms that we talked about in past episodes, but we don't have to get into. I find it interesting that you brought up Jeff Bezos because let's just look at his net worth. As of January, 2024, he's worth roughly 167 to $172 billion in US. Mm -hmm. A lot of people love to give him flack for it, but he was very clear with another quote. He put it very succinctly. What makes him so valuable is that he's making all of his stakeholders and investors that much more money by investing in Amazon products and services. 
whatever he's you know investing in, whatever he's doing to grow the company, he's bringing his investors a return on investment. And so all the choices that he's made within his business reflect on that. And that's why his net worth is the net worth that it's at today. It's why Amazon has grown to the size that it has, because they're making decisions that grow the business. And clearly it's working because literally everybody on the planet seems to use Amazon for some form or other. Yeah. And to bring it back to us with the making a return on investment for the shareholders, and that's why people keep them around, is that we're doing the same thing. You have mm-hmm. to make the argument on what the artist's return on investment is. It, it doesn't have to be financial. There's always going to be a cost involved. You can approach it like, what's the cost of not working with you? They're going to yeah. spend how many hours a day trying to produce it themselves. If your time is worth $50 an, or maybe let's say even $100 an hour and you spend 10 hours a week on it, you know, that's $1,000 a week yeah. and you spread that over a month, you're spending $5,000 trying to do this yourself when you could just hire me to do your song for two. So that's why we say it's a return on investment, no matter how you look at it. And I want to maybe go back to the concept of giving value to the world. That's your value that you're giving to the artists. They could be doing themselves, but for a smaller investment, the value that they're getting back far exceeds the price that you're asking. But I think what a lot of producers end up doing is work for free at first. And I I had to laugh because I saw a post in, in a Facebook group that somebody mentioned that they just read The Go-Giver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they said, I read The Go-Giver and it was about putting value out of the world. Does anybody need mastering? I'll do it for free. No, you missed the point of the book. Totally so, missed. <laughs> totally missed the point of the book, I mean, right? I definitely... Drank the Kool-Aid for the Go-Giver books quite a bit because I have all of the books. I got the Go-Giver Leader, Go-Giver... Yeah, but you didn't say work for free. Yeah, no, (laughs) never said go work for free. There has to be some form of equal exchange. It might be that you're going to go into this mastering thing and say, I want to see about building this, right? I'm just to give an example. I want to see about building a business with mastering. Can I do it? Let's start with my community. The first 10 people that respond to this I'd love to hear what you're working on. Send it to me. I'd love to master it for free. This first one, just get a taste to see what it's like. If it's a good fit, maybe we can discuss working together in a professional capacity. Now, see, I'll push back on that because I've done that. I'll do it for free this time. It never, ever leads to paid work. I don't know why people think it does. At least in my experience, it never did. And my circles that I run in, they said, I didn't start getting work until I started charging for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't know where this thing comes from. Some people from have to you, learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. But I don't I, know why that kind of is being uh, something that I constantly am. My point media, was that but, if that's the path you have to take, maybe the lesson is for you to build the confidence in yourself and your work. Yeah, because what I would do in that sense is that you might be mastering it technically for free, but they don't get to download it until they pay you. So you can set it up that way. You can say, hey, I want to see if I can do this and grow my mastering business. I'll do a test master for you. But then when they, you know, send in your track and you do the master, whether using FilePass or whether using Dropbox, you can disable downloads so they don't get it until they pay you, right? And And again, that comes back to the whole mindset thing, because really what's happening there is a lack of 
self-confidence in mm-hmm. your ability to deliver a product for somebody who is not your immediate circle. It's come back to the whole mindset thing that we talk about numerous times in the podcast. I just got a new book actually that I want to start reading this year. I got it for Christmas. It's called Mind Hacking, How to Change Your Mind for Good in 21 Days by Sir John Hargrave. Anyway, I just want to throw that out there. I haven't read it yet, but I'll keep you guys in the loop in the future episodes. After I read it, maybe I'll give you guys a review because this is the struggle everyone's going through right now. As we're into 2024, it's in every vertical. I see this in every industry right now. There's a ton of chatter. Everybody wants to industry hop. They're looking for a new career. They're looking for a new path. They want to start over. They're tired of where they're at. I guarantee you a lot of people are looking at the things that they enjoy as a passion and trying to see if maybe I can turn this into a career. Anybody who's in the music sector right now, if this is you listening, this is the perfect opportunity for you to look at what the Music Producers Alliance is doing and consider having the mastermind community help accelerate your growth by keeping you on track for the things that matter. It's going to push the needle forward because there's so many of us that come from the music background that don't have any clue how business actually works. If you don't understand how it works, you're going to end up just building yourself a job and you're going to burn yourself out. We've talked about that in the podcast too, where you and I have both faced this, Adam, right? Mm -hmm. The burnout is real. Like At some point, when you start building a business, it's no longer just about passion. You brought up a good point because I think why having community of like-minded people is so important and investing your in yourself is so important because you need that structure and, and accountability. I'll give you an example from my own personal life that's not related to music. I got married in October 2021 mm-hmm. and I was 20 pounds overweight. So the new year, 2022, because I saw the pictures and I did not like the way I looked. <laughs> so 2022 came around and I, I saw the ads for Noom, the weight loss program. Oh, yeah. So I downloaded it and signed up. It's pretty expensive. It's 200 bucks every four months. And so I made the investment and did it and I lost 20 pounds and I kept it off. But at the end of 2022, I, I said, I don't really need to pay for this anymore. I'm good. I can do it on my own. In 2023, I gained it all back. Oh. Yeah. So now I'm back. 2024, signed up for Noom again because <laughs> I need to lose the 20 pounds again. My point Dang. is that, yeah, I saved money, but I gained 20 pounds back. Mm-hmm. Right? So what was it worth? I can get back money, but I saw a decline in my health, gaining that weight back. What's more important to you that you keep the weight off and maybe, yeah, spend a little money to have an app to keep you motivated and have a structure in place? Or is it try to do it yourself and then you end up back where you started? So that's why I brought up that personal story. Our community is so amazing and and it keeps me going too as a producer, just having the community, not only the accountability, but having the roadmap and we're going to support you along the way. It's not an easy journey, but if you want to go far, go together. Go together. Yeah. yeah. Man, they, it's, thanks for sharing that. Cause I think we all put on about at least six to 10 pounds this last holiday yeah. season. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, and so that was episode 62, the mastermind one. Mm -hmm. If you guys are curious and you want to dive in deeper, definitely go take a listen to that if you're on the fence about it. If you want to join a true mastermind group, we have a roundtable. That's the Music Producers Alliance. 
as of 2024, we're going to be doing all of our roundtable meetups weekly again. So that's a yep. great thing. But the reason I brought that up was, have you ever seen the show Biggest Loser? Yeah. So I find and it then, interesting because it's all about the entertainment, right? The show yeah. gets together and these people lose, lose massive amounts of weight. It's this life-altering event for these people because they undergo an entire change physiologically, mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally. But because it's just a show, at the end of the show, just as you hopped off a Noom, after what? Well, I committed to a year with Noom. Oh, you committed to a year. So, yeah, but I had lost the 20 pounds. Probably took me, I'd say, about four months, four or five months okay. to lose the 20 pounds. Yeah, That's pretty good. It sounds like maybe... But you it didn't was quite follow it. it as strictly. No, it was the thing was keeping it off. Right. So that was what the rest of the year was. And then I decided, yeah, I can do this on my own. But then mm -hmm. I switched back to my old ways and my old habits and gained, gained 20 pounds back. That's the thing with the show. The focus was on losing the amount of weight that right. they did, not on making lifestyle changes, mm -hmm. committing to changing your habits, like who you are as a person the choices that you habitually make need to change. If I look at all the small businesses out there and the reason they stay small or they fail when they try to get bigger is because the habits they're doing, the things they operationally do day to day, the choices they make are at a certain level that keeps them where they're at. And when you join a mastermind, we're talking about the Music Producers Alliance or whether we're talking about the one for IT or whatever. When you join the mastermind, you're setting yourself up for a lifelong commitment. At least it should be because you have an external source. These other people who are bringing value to the table that might be able to see your blind spots or might be able to call you out on your BS when you know, you're maybe lying to yourself about something you shouldn't be. That's like holding you back. You know, if I just did this one thing differently, boom, I might be 20 times richer than I am now. The point is when you have that kind of accountability in the circle that brings together their knowledge, their collective experiences and skills, everybody's able to go in their own businesses much further than they were if they were just isolated and by themselves. You can see this in any organization. There's a reason Jeff Bezos is worth as much as he is because he surrounded himself with the right C-suite. If you look at the board of directors on Amazon, there's a ton of high value people who are experts at what they do and you stick around with it you don't just stick with it for a year you try to stay with it for the long haul and we talked about that in that mastermind episode yeah going back to that i think and it wasn't that i didn't learn the habits with noom it's that i did it's that once i didn't have a check-in and yeah, the accountability the accountability is when i've fallen back to my old habits and i think that's why having that in place is is super important keeping you on track when it comes to the value that you can provide for other artists you can set your business up to have artists work with you on the long term we can do a whole other episode of what happens after the sale right <laughs> how do you keep them to do the ascension the post sales on, journey post sales <laughs> journey what's the customer journey after they make the sale that's a whole other conversation but what i think it, today we're more talking about getting them in the front door, really what you need to do is amplify your zone of genius. The number one thing I think is missing. If you 
want to speak to that ready to invest artists we were mentioning before have a certain level of sophistication and understanding around the problem and the solutions that are available to them, they're looking for a way to solve the problem faster. You need to show them that. That person that posted the, the mastering stuff, read that book, The Go-Giver, what she should have done was instead of doing it for free, do a test master and building that yep. value relationship first. And then if you like working with me, then you pay me <laughs> to get your master. I'm not going to give it out to you for free. So that's demonstrating that zone of genius, right? Her, her command is in mastering and getting the right sound for a specific type of artist because she also mentioned in that post like the genres she work in. Getting really clear on what is your secret sauce? What mm. are you proposing that is different than what artists may have tried in the past? Is it a different way of looking at things? What is your way of looking at things? The problem I see is when you are really vague about your offer and your price or your audience, you don't make it clear on who you actually help. Just because you can help someone doesn't mean they can afford your help. I see that and, so often. <laughs> yeah. So this one isn't to lower your price or your value, right? I can't afford it. Okay, so I'm going to lower my price. Yep. So it's to raise your audience. And you do that by learning how to speak to buyers. And if you're keeping your prices low, I will say serious artists won't take you seriously. Yep. And why is that? Because they know that top producers charge top dollar. And if these artists are serious about their career, they're going to hunt for a top producer regardless of what they charge. And yeah. it, this isn't only true in the music industry. It's called, and we've talked about this before, oh, yeah. is the, the price filter, right? And it's used all the time. You think about buying a laptop. If you're looking for the cheapest laptop you can find, the quality is not going to be good, right? Yeah. Compared to what you would get if you bought a price laptop. That's how our consumer brains work. And it's for good reason. Yeah, lower price, price. Yeah. Lower price equals lower quality. Higher price equals higher quality. You're just picking where on that tier you can afford to live. Like I, yeah, I can I, afford to spend this comfortably. And if you're thinking of an exception to this rule, you're missing the point. The point here is that a certain level of artists are filtering you out based on what you're charging right now. Yeah. They see you as the rollback price on laptop at Walmart instead, <laughs> instead of the premium price laptop at the Apple store. That's because an artist who's really serious about making it in this industry, or they want to be on a label, they need an awesome first release, or they're about to tour, they're going to search for someone that makes their stuff hit hard and stand up against all the mainstream music that's out there. If your rate is $300 per song or like 200 a mix, they're going to filter you out because mm -hmm. your price is a dead giveaway that you're not really working with seasoned professionals. Yep. And therefore, you're not a top tier producer. But if you charge more, $1,000 per song, yeah, you might not get as many bookings right away, but you're going to get better quality artists that are going to enjoy working with you and will actually move the needle forward for you in your career. As you work with better artists, you produce more popular music, which means more artists will start coming to you. And it's just like this snowball effect that helps you build your career. Another example to illustrate this point is that if you're living paycheck to paycheck, do you walk into Tiffany's to buy an engagement ring? 
spend hours picking your favorite rings, figuring out the right sizes for her. Does this one look right? Is it going to match your ring? Only to be shocked when you can't afford it, when you're told the price. No, you don't even walk in the freaking door, right? Nope. Tiffany's isn't going to be cheap. You're not going to go in there if you can't afford it. But what producers are doing is they're trying to sell a Tiffany's ring to someone who can't buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see that so often. What I equate this to is the hide and seek game. Everybody's trying to figure out, okay, where are you comfortable spending? Like, where's your comfort zone? What price range are you looking in? And then we're trying to connect the dots. We're trying to reach the right audience that has the budget, but how do you find out unless you put out more offers? I think a lot of this is just going to come down to experience. We talk about this in the round table. We talk about this in past episodes. And even you have a whole program in the blueprint on how to develop a, a very programmatic approach to very quickly identifying what marketing efforts are going to work the best for well, you. Yeah. And that's why we're having this conversation here is that you want to be specific in your message, right? Specific mm -hmm. to the problem that you solve and specific to the outcome that you're helping your clients achieve. What a lot of producers do is they make the mistake of trying to dumb down their message in hopes of making it more relatable without realizing that they're also dumbing down their audience. They yep. end up speaking to the freebie seekers. And that's why we give the example of Tiffany's. Tiffany's has this premium brand that you're not going to expect a five dollar mm. cracker jock ring at tiffany's right <laughs> it just doesn't make sense because nope. they position themselves as a premium brand so if you're out there putting content and saying you'll work with everybody you're going to attract the freebie seekers they don't have this internal urgency to solve their problem mm -hmm. and if they do come into your world and book a call you'll find that they need a discount or maybe like a come to jesus moment to get them to buy so you have to get really specific on who you serve how you serve them and the results and value you create and we help the members of our mastermind community really dial in what that is and what i call a mission statement and do you have I some examples yeah, I do, actually. Mel, who's a vocal producer in our community, she's a phenomenal vocal producer, produces vocal bands that are in the style of pentatonics. Nice. That, that oh, type yeah, I of, her. Yeah, so those type of projects. And her mission statement goes like this. She says, I'm a producer that specializes in vocals and vocal music with pop electronic elements by providing arrangements, full productions from recording to mixing and educational opportunities for high school, collegiate, and professional vocal bands so they feel joy in singing and growth in their music. So in that statement, she <laughs> said, yeah, it's a mouthful, but the point of that is that's not a mission statement you share publicly. It's something that you have to internalize because every content that you're putting out there, every way you're trying to attract leads, that has to be in your mind. This is my mission statement. This is my motivation, right? This right. is who you're saying I when serve. you go to create a piece of content yeah, or this is, marketing or advertising, this, this is ethos, in your mind. Yeah. yeah. Is what I'm creating hitting this mark. And yeah. in that statement, she said what she does, who she serves, how mm -hmm. she serves them, and the the result that they're gonna get. Right. The transformation. When you're out there promoting your services as a producer, that's what you have to have in the back of your mind. Are you communicating to your ideal customer in a way that is in alignment to that mission statement?
I guess I'll give you one more example just to hit this home. Rodrigo in our community, he says, I'm a producer who specializes in electronic dance music synthesis and sound design by providing innovative presets, one-shot sample packs, as well as musical loops for musicians who need to focus more into the creative workflow and inspiration and don't have time to search for the right sound. So he said, I'm a producer who specializes in this thing, EDM, synthesis, sound design. That's what he does. So Mm -hmm. how does he do it? So he does that through innovative presets and sample packs. And then for who is for musicians, but it's not just for musicians. He's getting even more specific on who he serves, who need to focus more on the creative workflow. So the musicians that are more concerned with the creative workflow and inspiration Mm -hmm. and don't have time to find that right sound, right? Or develop it so he's providing value to that specific customer that's looking for that specific thing. He sent me a test master he was working on the other day. He's like praying to the gods of audio. There's nobody, <laughs> honestly, he's awesome. I love it because yeah. he's a hustler. He works hard and he's humble. He knows what he wants to achieve and how he's, he wants to go about it, but he is humble when it comes to getting feedback and advice. I think this is somebody who is absolutely living what his mission statement says just follow him on his social media and he is doing what he says he's doing (laughs) why this is so cool is that this is your brand foundation right this is your mission statement your dharma your purpose you got to start there otherwise your whole marketing stuff isn't going to work oh yeah and we've seen this time and time again i'm sure you've even shared this in the past episodes it if there's something holding you back, that's maybe like what ifs or doubt or any of these things, just keep in mind, there are people out there way less talented than you that are doing what you want to do right now, simply because they just got started. Yeah. And I think a lot of them, even the top level producers, they bring their own personality to it. And it's very clear what their purpose is. Right. I think the mistake that I see is that you just focus so much on marketing and marketing is going to solve your problem. A lot of people default to, oh, it's just, I just need more people in the doors. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way anymore. We talked about market sophistication before. And I think before you could build a studio and artists would just show up. That doesn't exist anymore. You or know, even just so, think about how much more costly that would be if you're just spending advertising dollars. Cause we've talked about that too, like automating mm-hmm. client acquisition through ads, but now you're throwing money at the situation. It would behoove you a lot more to be efficient with that spend and know who you're targeting to see whether you're on target or off target rather than just turn up the dollar amount and see if you get more yeah, sales. Cause, cause part of that is you have to speak to the ready to invest client, right? Mm-hmm. Which we talked about here. And then we talked about how do you position yourself correctly, but then how do you actually bring these people in in terms of that lead generation? There's three things that you need to do is grow, nurture, sell. Mm -hmm. And to simplify this, we grow our audience through posting content, whether that's on TikTok or Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, or maybe you're doing paid ads. And maybe you're going on podcasts or you're going to concerts. We're doing all this stuff, nurturing your audience through a conversion event, whether that's through a video sales letter, a lead magnet, they fill out a form on your website, you book a call, 
or you get the artist's business card to follow up with them later. If you're at an in-person event, whatever it is you're doing, you're nurturing, which leads people to that sales conversation. But what happens is that if you're speaking to the wrong people, if you're growing an audience with the wrong people, you start to leak sales throughout this whole process. Mm -hmm. Then you're taking these people into your conversion event and you're not demonstrating your zone of genius as a producer. You're doing maybe production tutorials, but an artist doesn't need to know how you use a compressor. They just want yeah. to know if, if what you're doing is going to make them sound good. So you're not showing what you're doing is different. Why do they need to work with you? So your sales become an issue, right? This is why it's not a marketing problem. It's a messaging problem. Yeah. I want to just dive in on that one because I yeah. think this is probably where most people start to get the mix up. If we look at Warren Hewitt, right? Produce like a pro has lots mm -hmm. of great educational tutorials on mixing and producing. But if you actually looked at his client list, like the people that are going to him for mixing and mastering services, I guarantee you, they're not the ones absorbing mm -hmm. his channel. They're not just consuming yeah. <laughs> his channel endlessly. Yeah. They're He's not actually the ones watching his channel. Exactly. Yeah, sure. His channel is actually very cleverly positioning himself as an educator to other mix engineers through his other content courses. The paid courses are a totally separate product from his top tier offer, which is mixing right. and mastering. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you were to follow him and think, oh, this is how I need to build my mixing and mastering service by showing how I mix and master. I guarantee you the people watching your YouTube channel are not going to be the ones going to you for mixing and mastering services. Absolutely. What do you do instead is that your content for that lead generation should actually literally pre-sell your offer having people feel like this is exactly what I need. We do that by presenting your zone of genius. If you're a producer that helps vocal artists getting better recording, what's the one thing that they need to know to get success with you? And then maybe do a YouTube video on that, presenting yeah. yourself as the solution they're going to hire you because they want this particular problem solved. And I like the, the scene in Harry Met Sally where she's, yes, yes. And then the guys all have what she's having. It's you orgasm want, over there. You, you want that? You want your audience to see that? I want what they're having. Whether it's like posting maybe a video on you working with an artist and that experience of them having that mind-blowing moment where you help them achieve their vision. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of content you want to put out. Not a freaking like I do this to compress vocals tutorial. I think if you're resorting to these artistic gimmicks and creative, I'm going to like very craftily build my own subtext into this content here that kind of trickily gets them into clicking on my download gate or whatever to join my mailing list. That's going to be very short lived. It's mm -hmm. just not genuine and people do pick up on that. Eventually the facade gets poked at enough. Now the community is just going to throw you under the bus because you've did this thing that they didn't like. Instead of doing that, just be genuine. That just means finding your core, why, who you serve, how you're going to serve them. And then having the belief in yourself that you can serve that audience. Cause I guarantee you, there are people out there who not only are willing to pay, but probably will just like you as a person for the way you present yourself. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're presenting insight into why a potential client was maybe having this problem that they're experiencing and the hypothesis behind why your audience isn't 
getting the results. It's like a doctor. They ask, are you experiencing this? Are you experiencing this problem? Are you experiencing this problem? Yeah, this is what you have. And this is a prescription that you need to get to solve Mm -hmm. that. You have to do the same thing when you're speaking to your ideal audience. What I see happening very often is producers focus on the what. What does a music producer do? What the process looks like? What's my workflow? I'm going to get you in the studio and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Instead, you want to focus more on the why. Why is your audience not getting the result with their music on their own? Why does your solution work? This is the root cause of your audience's problem revealed in a way that gives them that light bulb moment, like that (laughs) Sally moment, right? I'll have what she's having. They can identify with it and it creates that epiphany for them and then they believe it and they believe in what you have to say because you're literally describing them, right? (laughs) Get out of my mind. You're talking to me here. And and so you're painting this picture and you're showing them like the symptoms and then you're making it clear why they need to work with you, right? Yeah. Can I get what she's having to take home, please? Yeah. (laughs) And and that's the thing too. There's so many people that hear this and they might be turned off because it sounds like it's a lot of work. But here's the thing. I see people who have walked away from their dreams left and right just because, oh, I was tired of hearing this or tired of hearing that. Don't let somebody who gave up on their dreams talk you out of yours. It's so sad when I see it come to that. You have an opportunity and if you have passion for it, you will work much harder than the next person to get to the end result that you want than somebody who's just half-assing it. I want to give a perfect example. Just paint a picture really quick. There was two studios that I used to live near in Northern California. One had An excellent spot in downtown Stockton, had all the gear, had the space, looked like a commercial studio, and they would charge like 300 an hour. This other guy was literally just operating out of his home, had a $200 mic, $800 interface, and that was it, like just did basic stuff. But the difference between their messaging, like all of the ads and marketing material for the big studio in Stockton was, here's a commercial space, we have the gear, makes us sound good. And then their portfolio, yeah, it sounded pretty decent, sounded pretty on par for the times. But here's this guy doing it for 75 an hour compared to the other guy for 300. Seeing massive success, was booked six months out solid every single day because every post that he did on his Instagram or Facebook, he was just showing clips of like them. He was just a hilarious dude. So part of it was the experience of him. Mm-hmm. Like I get in the room with this guy, he makes me laugh. He tells funny jokes, but he also gets shit done and the stuff sounds amazing. I want to work with that guy. I don't care he has a $200 mic. It sounds amazing. (laughs) Who cares about the gear? Why is he doing so much better than the the commercial studio with literally half a million dollars of gear in their studio? Yeah, because his content naturally leads people to his offer. And that was his differentiator. It was the experience of going to this guy's place and just having a freaking blast and creating some cool music. Yeah, because oftentimes there's a lack of coherence in the content I see a lot of producers putting out there. What are you selling? I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> you're posting on a push, and then the next time you're in the DAW, and then you're working with an artist, and then are you a rapper? I don't get it. Yeah. You're posting all this different content, whereas this guy literally was just, hey guys, we're in the studio, we're doing this stuff. It's obviously, it's connected to his offer. So yeah, it's different. So you mentioned the whole need to make sure that your content is naturally leading people to your order. What does that mean to be natural or organic? 
natural. It's it's you, right? And that's why you have to build. I hate the term authentic because it's thrown around a lot. It's a cliche. <laughs> the cliche in the marketing space. It sounds hard what we're talking about, but it really <laughs> isn't. Inside our program, we have frameworks and, and templates to actually how to tell your story in such a way that's going to command the attention and lead them to the next obvious step is to work with you. It's really easy when you integrate your own personality into the, these things, your right. and your core purpose and your why. That is the first and foremost why I say it's, again, why it's not a marketing problem. You have a messaging problem. You have to get clear on what your vision is as a producer before you even try some of these marketing stuff. At the end of the day, you could go out there and, and learn what to do and, and how to do it, but then how are you going to actually implement it into your business? That's where we come in at the Music Producers Right. So if you're wanting to get those consistent and high-paying projects with better clients all from your home studio and want that personalized advice, feedback, and accountability to accelerate the growth of your career, and the support to implement all these steps, then I invite you to head over to musicproducersalliance.com forward slash join and get into our mastermind community. Absolutely. Man, I couldn't have put that better myself. Thanks so much, Adam. I appreciate you, as always, helping me out on this podcast. It's been a blast because even, like I said before, just having somebody to talk to about business things in the industry, it's tough to find those people. And having a mastermind community really does make a difference. So if you guys are finding this podcast helpful in any way, I'd love to hear your story. If this is helping you out, let us know. You can email podcast at modernproducersecrets.com and we'll respond. Might even feature your email to the podcast on the next episode. Anyway, thanks as always, and we'll catch you on the next one.